and welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name's Levitza. I'm Adam. And this is a podcast where we talk about politics and TV. Our politics, our leftists, our taste in TV are pretty trashy. Thank God we came up with that intro. Otherwise, I never knew how to start our podcast <laughs> yeah. before. We do so, talk about things that aren't TV sometimes. Yeah. But... That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but in general, that's like an easy enough way to start that I don't have to think about it too much. And, yeah. then, and then I think having our recommendations helps too except we don't have any this time yeah <laughs> well i i guess i have one i just okay. honestly looked around the room okay. <laughs> but i mean i am a really big fan of smith's rosebud song <laughs> <laughs> um it's basically like a it, basically what it is is petrolatum which you can find in a lot of things including like vaseline so you don't have to specifically get this but petrolatum and it's like purest form is what they will give you like at the hospital if you have like some reason that you have are having particularly dry skin or lips or whatever um but the smith's rosebud salve is like a pretty good size and it smells nice it's a cool package it's a little circle tin yeah it and makes you feel like you bought something from the 1940s yeah it feels sort of vintage mm-hmm. um i started using it when i was in high school it's like when you're in your grandma's house yeah and it's like obviously a, a fine lip balm, but you can also use it in a pinch as a highlighter if you wanted to on the tops of your cheekbones. It gives you a very nice natural glow. Also, it's like I sometimes when I have allergies get really dry eyes, like eyelids, because I rub them a lot. And I putting this on is like the best thing. Like it helps so much. It's really relieving. And in the winter, if you have, like, dry knuckles, you can put it on your knuckles. I have put it on mosquito bites and pimples before. I don't know if that's recommended or not, but I have, and I it didn't hurt anything. I'm not sure if it helped, but I sort of believe in it, like, in my big fat wedding, Greek wedding, when the dad puts um, Windex on everything, you know? Mm. I sort of feel that way about uh, Smith's Rosebud Salve. I just like to put it on everything. But I do think it's really useful. It's really helpful in a pinch. And I have one in like almost every bag. (laughs) What if the like millennial love of things that are old looking or vintage isn't so much about being a hipster or being authentic as it is that we love our grandparents? Yeah, I mean, I think that probably has something to do with it. That's what I'm going to choose to believe from now on. Well, I think that there's a sense that the stuff that our grandparents like told us about or gave us or whatever was like quality stuff you know Mm -hmm. because it's a little bit even in america i mean certainly for my grandparents they were like socialists and socialist Yugoslavia. but i think even for like americans you know a lot of the grandparents for like millennials were you know sort of pre like hyper capitalism that's true you know and so I think that they're compared to like their parents, which are tend to be boomers who are just yeah. like swimming in it. I think that there's a sense in which like the grandparents had like better values maybe and also liked things that last a long time instead of things that are just kind of flashy. Yeah. Like I think they were also kind of you like can hear it's like a tin. Yeah. They were also kind of pre really intense uh, religiosity. Mm. Like when our grandparents would have been kids being evangelical didn't really mean being right wing. Right. Like my grandma was very religious, but it was not but, about like you have to obey the rules. The rules are right. whatever's in Leviticus. It was much more, you know, Christ focused hmm. about loving people and whatever. Anyway. Anyway. Or you have more grandparent stuff to say? No, no, that's fine. We Your grandparents are cool. Yeah, my but my grandparents obviously had like a very different experience yeah. than your grandparents. Like, like they, surviving Nazis, literally, and building their own factories. Yeah, that they, lived, that they worked in and operated. Yeah, that was like part of the Communal. push in socialist Yugoslavia for people to like have like ownership of like the places where they worked. Mm-hmm. Like they built the factories that they worked in and stuff. I think my grandma worked in a factory where they built bombs during the war. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. That's cool. <laughs> Also a little depressing, I guess. But, <laughs> but it was anti-fascist. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, okay. I want to recommend another poetry thing. Um, I'm going to recommend Dorothea Lasky. She's really great. She has a new book coming out that sounds really great. And I'll put in a clip of her reading one of her poems. that I, I She read it in the podcast. I think it's called Commonplace. It's a poetry podcast that is just okay. 
mm-hmm. but she is great and she read a poem in there so i'll place it in here it is i it's called fuck mary kill i think i'll check on it but it's i think it's called fuck mary kill okay um so yeah kill mary fuck well maybe it should be fuck mary well oh, anyway sorry. yeah no 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 it should actually i cha- yeah that's a whole nother conversation yeah <laughs> uh anyway uh, kill mary fuck it's a game have you ever played one for each i'll start Jack Nicholson in The Shining, Jack Nicholson in One Flew, Jack Nicholson in his bathrobe, it's blue. Kill Mary Fuck, Amy Winehouse, James Merrill, Freddy Krueger, goodbye. Kill Mary Fuck, Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen DeGeneres' personal assistant, Phil Collins, Ashton Kutcher, A Rainbow, My Rapist, and Big Bird. Yeah, I'd fuck them all, but only Ellen DeGeneres and only in that sailor suit. Okay, one more. Kill, Mary fuck. The postman and isosceles triangle. My eggs. I mean my ovaries. Sunday afternoon in the park with eggs. Not my ovaries. Wait, hold on. Do you want me? I want fish. A shining magenta clownfish. The taste of milk sweeter than a cow. Jacking you off in the yellow chair with too many dressers. Kill, Mary fuck. All of it and none of it with you. None of it with you or Charlie Sheen. Bill Clinton, your leg in the air, flopping in time. The dream of the unrecited. Me in the bathroom and everything with serial killers, with daffodils. You going down on me in the back of a cab. Me shampooing your head with pine. No, you hate oral sex, my breasts, oil on your head. 20 seconds, 40 seconds, 60 seconds, 60 years later, a bomb of women, an entire country of women, two women in the countryside, a pale green tapestry, wash white by the seashore, the world. Kill Mary Fuck, a white star, the red dwarf, time, I'd fuck time, I'd marry red, I've married anything. Holy, holy matrimony, fiesta wear, I'd kill them all, I have. Holy, holy day, the day that she was born, the intensity of birth, the incessant witch. It's over, so over, it never began. Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson, kill Mary fuck, all of it, all of it, or Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, whatever there is to do, I do it to you. The yellow kitchen, a knife, a veil, Jack Nicholson in your blue robe, I do it, all of it, for you. Awesome. Awesome. I, I was just watching, yeah, Jack Nicholson videos from the 80s and interviews, and I, he is amazing. Cool. Okay. okay, that was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now, uh, I thought we could just talk about some stuff. Um, one thing that we have, sometimes we have conversations that I wish we could have just recorded in the moment. One we day can't. we'll have computers in our brains and we can just <sighs> upload it directly so to easier. the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real reason we should all be like surveilled all the time is that <laughs> we can podcast yeah. more easily. Um, okay, so we had this conversation one day this week, I think during lunch, about how I find it incredibly annoying when people try to sound sort of like more intellectual. So they'll say, oh, she's like a Dworkin-esque feminist or something like that. You were telling me about this in the car at like 1am after I got home really late from working and we were getting tacos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that what well, you're thinking? No, that, that's, that's kind of where it started. Okay. So, but that's where, that's like where the, the, the first parts of the start. So anyway, I was telling you about, I'm going to cut that out because it was an unnecessary aside. So, I like the detail that we were in the car late at night getting tacos at a taco stand. Okay. Maybe we'll leave it in. Anyway. So I find it really irritating when people try to sound more intellectual by using terms like that, like uh, Dworkin-esque feminist, as opposed to just saying what they really mean. Which, because, like I was saying to you, I've read some of Dworkin for, because I, I'm a, a women's studies minor and I had to, like, read a lot of different... Uh, Perspectives. Yeah. And, and so, Different feminisms. Yes, exactly. And so sometimes I don't really know exactly what 
I've read it, but so that's why I don't know what they mean, actually, because I've read enough of her work to have some a little more nuance on on it than maybe what the like pop culture. I thought that Dworkin's in pop culture, but what like the, like reductive image of her is which exactly is as an anti-sex feminist. Yeah, but I don't know if they're talking about anti-sex when they say that. Are they an- talking about anti-porn, anti-prostitution? Right. Are they talking about like someone who? you know, is, like, a radical lesbian feminist. Because right. like, there was an almost, like, separatist movement of lesbians in the 70s. Yeah, so. and people who, women who saw um, all, like, um, male-female penis to vagina, but any male-female intercourse that's penetrative as rape. Like, so, anyway, my point was to you, like, I really find it irritating when people talk like that because I feel like they're just trying to be elitist and, like, signal that, I went to college, basically, <laughs> or I, I read a lot or whatever, and they're actually, like, keeping other people out of the conversation that might otherwise have, like, good perspectives but haven't read Dworkin and therefore have no fucking clue what you're talking about at all, don't even have the context that I'm... I think I can speak for most of us, too, when I say when I reference something, I probably haven't read it. I just <laughs> know the general conception of it. I mean, yeah. My point was just um, it happens a lot where you hear people like talking about something and you don't know what they're talking about but it made me think about sex workers afterward because I was thinking about Andrea Dworkin and obviously I don't agree with like her take but we were talking it made me think about like sex workers and how we talk about them on the left and how we tend to be like really almost like unrealistically like positive about sex work and that is I mean I understand the impulse to do that because we don't want to like marginalize sex workers or criminalize sex we work. We don't want it to be dangerous. It's yeah. not and it's not inherently worse than other forms of labor from like a totally Marxist point of view. It's all selling your body. Yeah, it's all exploitation. Yeah. But it it did also make me think that like it's really hard to it's hard for me to not think about the fact that like people who have options like if if we lived in a society where all your needs were met like a socialist marxist utopian whatever society that you know there'd be a lot less people who probably choose sex work or at minimum that the people who choose to do this work would both be more accepted naturally like they wouldn't be as marginalized and they would be Mm -hmm. like uh, more free in the decision that they're making because as it is now, like, yes, you shouldn't be marginalized and you shouldn't be, like, criminalized. But I think it's wrong to not think that, like, this is, in a lot of cases, a decision that people with very few options make and have to take. Mm-hmm. Because we live in, you know, a capitalist economy. Which isn't wrong morally as an individual, but it's morally wrong to have a society that forces people into that choice. Exactly. When they should be able to choose freely. Yeah. Whether it's something they want to do, have an aptitude for. Right. Like, yeah, people who have less hangups or maybe the sort of like, you know, we all have personality disorders to one extent or another. And maybe the ones that you do have gel with sex work, like maybe you appreciate attention in yeah. ways that a lot of us don't. <laughs> I mean, uh, not no, sh- you know, no shade or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's easy to see how some people would be good at it and chill with doing it, and maybe even find it meaningful work to do. Yeah, yeah. But um, in a world where you have to work just to survive, and where a lot of people don't have a lot of options for work that allows them to survive. Yeah, it's like the lowest form of capital too. It's like you're the only capital you have is the body you were born with and you're trying to trade on that you know yeah don't have anything else you're being reduced to cash in on like the one base thing that we all have exactly and i think that in a society where we value people that have the most capital you know someone who's trading on the least cap you know the the most common capital that we have is of course going to be seen as like the lowest you know like mm-hmm. lowest class except for someone who doesn't work at all i guess yeah but then i was thinking like is this true or am i just like sort of being conservative and like having some weird hang-ups about sex work which i don't think i have but i don't know sometimes i like to think about like that mm-hmm. kind of thing and i was thinking like no i think that that's true because if we kind of looked at like the flip side of it you know if you think of sort of the like 
Madonna whore complex, right? So we're talking about like sex workers, women usually. And on the other hand, Madonna. Right. So we would think about like, you know, pop stars. Like a... fashion. <laughs> that is a lame or, joke. Or like, you know, <laughs> it's a lame joke. I couldn't resist anything, apparently. Um, someone who is. I mean, there's a lot of different examples we could take, but I was thinking of like a kind of like a trad wife type person, mm-hmm. you know, who's like college educated and married and kind of doing the things that you're supposed to do, thinking about like, okay, should we like have kids, you know? And it's like, I mean, obviously I'm pulling from my own life here. Not that I think I'm like Madonna, but you know, but it's like. But you are kind of a trad wife right now. <laughs> But it's like, I don't feel like I have like the freedom to completely make that decision solely based on just my feelings about having children or not, as much as I am like constrained by a lot of financial, you know, considerations and considerations about like our future, like economic situation and stuff like that. There are a lot of articles out there talking about, oh, millennials aren't buying homes. They aren't getting married. They aren't having kids. They're not buying engagement rings. Yeah. And these articles talk about it as if it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Forgetting the reality that we grew up into. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, when you think about it that way, it's like, yeah, same, same thing as with the sex worker. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure like if I, had my basic needs met and I knew that they were going to be met in perpetuity in the foreseeable future at least you know I knew for sure we're gonna always have a roof over our heads we're always gonna have enough money to eat no matter whether or not we're working like we're all gonna have access to health care and education and the you know basically the the basic things that you would want to be sure your child would have access to I think that decision would be a lot easier to make than being in a situation like we are we are all in I think in a capitalist economy where even though like our lives are good and comfortable right now and we have we're lucky we have health care and you know we're not like struggling in any meaningful way like right now I don't know what the you know like it I don't know what the future will bring like maybe we'll both be unemployed at some point or something and then what you know like who knows like yeah. Or we won't have health insurance or I don't know, like a lot of the people that I hear actually like uh, Dorothy Alaska when she's talking on the podcast, who's I don't know like what age she is, but she's in her 30s. So she had a, she's had at least one kid now and she had her baby pretty late, but she was talking about it with the host of the podcast who is also a mother. And Dorothy Alaska was saying she always imagined herself being a mother. It's something she always wanted to do. And I feel like the people who do have babies probably say stuff like that, um, at least anecdotally, from you know my sense of what people <laughs> imagine about themselves, you know, yeah. and what they say about themselves. And I think that's um, I I'm trying to get back around to this thing we said about Sasha Gray as a worker. Well, I think what we were talking about is like kind of what you're saying. Like some people are do have an aptitude like for sex work, for example, right? And, you know, Sasha Gray is like a good example of that because I, my understanding it's a example, though, OK, my basic understanding was sort of that she like knew that the marketplace for porn, like 18 year olds who haven't done a lot of porn are like most desirable. Right. And she kind of exploited each one of sort of the like levels of like porndom, like someone who's never done anal before is more valuable than someone who does a bunch of anal. So she's sort of like capitalized in each of those like steps like being Mm -hmm. 18 and she did a bunch of pornos right when she turned 18 and then she started like basically once that paycheck dropped she did like the next thing the next thing and sort of like gathered a bunch of money very quickly and Mm -hmm. then left right yeah and then she tried to be like an actor and a writer yeah she tried to parlay into other things like yeah an entourage but um yeah i think she's like metaphorically at least a great example of like the archetypal at least old millennial worker Mm. like uh it's hard to talk about choice and in some cases we choose not to like when we talk about identity like our discourse around you know lgbt identities is not about choice it's about who you are it's about identity and the same way the when we talk about work, we don't talk about it as a choice. We talk about it as a passion. Yeah. So when Sasha Gray showed up, her mm, yeah, her yeah. strategy 
was to be like, I'm the most down porn star there ever was. Yeah. Like, I'm, I really want to take it up the ass. Yeah, I want to yeah. do it all. The mo- I think probably one of the most popular, like, gifts of her that you see, which, which is, you'll just see it online because it's not, like, nudity, yeah. is her licking a toilet. Okay. And to be fair, oh, it's I like... Oh, I think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a clean toilet. Like, yeah, this is yeah. a movie. It's a yeah, set. Yeah, of course. But, you know, it's just a symbol of how down she was right. for the degradation. Yeah. And... Uh, oh, yeah, I was saying to you, this is, like, Zizek's thing about um, Starbucks, right? How ingenious it yeah. was. For them to tell you, like, this portion is going to fair trade farmers of your coffee. And here's a story about a Guatemalan farmer whose life is better because you're drinking this cup of coffee. So essentially, like, before there was this tension between, like, being a consumer and sort of, like, enslaving people (laughs) in the rest of the world. And then they kind of, like, merged that and, like, alleviated your fear by Mm -hmm. making you think, like, oh, no, no, by doing consumerism, I'm doing activism, you know? Yeah, they have to find a way to resolve that. Yeah. Not, which is, like, a false dialectic. Yeah. You know, like, not actually resolving it. Right, and she sort of does that, too, because she's the one who's saying, like, no, no, objectified me, degrade me, like... Yeah. I, like, I want that. Yeah, I, that's I what I want. Cool, yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So it's you don't have to like, feel bad that you're like, so, well, it works really well for like the generation, like our generation, right? Because you, you know, the kind of caricature, I guess, of mm-hmm. millennial men is that, you know, they're all like sensitive lib beta cucks that, you know, would feel bad about watching a girl lick a toilet or whatever and getting yeah. off on it. But if Sasha Gray is, is, you know, down and giving you her consent yeah. and she had a choice, you know, then and she's the one who's enthusiastically asking for it, then it's okay. You know, totally, so yeah. we don't have to feel bad that we're watching someone, you know. But it's who, also like it's not even her choice. It's like it's her passion. It's who oh, she yeah, is, yeah. you know. Yeah. Especially she when it comes to sex. She's becoming more human by... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She's expressing her Sasha Grayness <laughs> to its fullest. By... Yeah. I mean, sex is the perfect domain for that, uh, like, idea to take shape because sex is supposed to be more innate. Yeah. You know, we don't think of sex as being influenced by culture and things like that. We think of it as just being natural. Right. Yeah. And, and not just uh, natural, but like, um, like instinctive, yeah. you know, like base, like impulse level. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can imagine her at a job interview saying like, this yeah. is my passion, yeah. you know, uh, um, like you put something in front of me and I'm going to solve it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah, I can <laughs> tackle any problem in the workplace. <laughs> yeah. If she had just, um, started a blog about like, you know, sucking dick or whatever, then she'd be like the true. Oh yeah. Like know. if she had a LinkedIn blog or something. Yeah. I yeah. Even blog on LinkedIn. No, but, but you know how people do those blogs yeah. that are about there. That's like, always career advice. It's yeah. Like, yeah, you should. In have... your free time, you should be blogging about your job to show yeah. your future employers how yeah. passionate you are. Yeah. And her real goal, from what I understand, was just to make a lot of money really quickly. Yeah. Because she had this like strategy for doing it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's not really important to me if it was a put on to pretend that I'm like into all this and whatever. And I don't think that she maybe even thought of it as a put on. Yeah. And it's who cares like. And but the point is that it's impossible to tell what is a choice and what is like innate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's like the uh, Liz Brunig thing. That I mean, I don't agree with a lot of her views when it comes to this stuff. But the one part I definitely agree with is like, um, you know, she talks about how like well, in a society where like your needs are met, again, you'd have like a lot less women choosing abortions. But in a society like ours, yeah. where you have, like, limited resources, it's it's almost, like, sick to, like, celebrate that women that choose yeah. abortion because it's not really a necessarily, like, a um, like a true choice. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, like, a an expression of her full humanity, you know, in choosing this thing for herself. Yeah, yeah. Like, abortion is healthcare is a rallying slogan. And and it is. Yeah. At least for some women who, like, medically need an abortion. Yeah. But what does it mean to say that it's your choice and also that it's healthcare? Yeah, I mean, to be clear, I am fully, like, you know, pro-choice. Pre-abortions, on-demand. And also because we're pro-science. I mean, you know, what is a bundle of cells at a few weeks in? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm an atheist, so, like, I don't have any 
troubles with the idea of like where does the soul come in yeah. <laughs> or whatever you know but I the also soul doesn't really form until a baby is like four years old let's be honest <laughs> up until that point yeah <laughs> they're just blank slates just yeah like that's what I believe religiously yeah. that's based on my reading of the bible yeah um but you know I think that like if we're going to be like serious like Marxists or whatever then yeah it's we can't deny that a lot of women who are making a choice about you know abortion really don't have any choice at all and also like how many of them you know are not marxists or whatever and just kind of believe the predominant ideology of sort of like well these are the resources i have and you know this isn't really a feasible cost you know at this point for me so i have to just do like it's not even a choice like it's like we've talked about before it's like well if you think there's only one rational decision then do you yeah. really have a choice at all you yeah know? if market logic is a real thing yeah where everybody pursues their own self-interest then what do, what would it mean to have a choice yeah it's like, already predetermined it's like calvinist in a way or something yeah yeah so i mean again i would never say that anyone shouldn't choose abortion or anything like that at all <laughs> just that you know i think it's it's just, silly to imagine that we have many choices in a this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, I guess, in terms of freedoms and positive freedom, negative freedom. And, yeah, that's true. You know, you don't, yeah, abortion, in guess, a society where you don't have your needs met, what kind of freedom do you have to act for yourself in any meaningful capacity? Like, yeah, I guess the like pro access to abortion side is really just freedom from government. That's what it comes down to. That's what I've always thought since I was, you know, a young, like, yeah. middle schooler who I'm arguing with other kids in school. Yeah. Like, why do you, supposedly a conservative want the government to tell you what to do and i think that is what the abortion debate comes down to yeah. and can only come down to in a society like we have yeah it's not really the freedom to choose abortion it's just the freedom from the government to mm -hmm. or to not choose abortion it's yeah, yeah. just the freedom That's that the government won't tell you that you can't yeah it's kind of like because how... you don't fully have the freedom to not choose abortion yeah is the point because you don't have support necessarily exactly. that you need to have a baby yeah yeah it's sort of like how people don't realize that marriage isn't like between you and me it's me you as one unit and the government is right. the other unit like yeah. legally you know it's like yeah i think we don't always understand that the legalese is actually pretty important in terms of how it actually functions in our like actual lives you know the, yeah. these institutions or these laws these choice I guess these choices or lack of choices that we have when we're living. Yeah, <laughs> just living. Um, cool. Okay. okay, so that kid cut our grass, so we've had a little bit of a break. Yeah, and I'm we're back. drinking a protein shake, so you might hear the little um, mixer ball, the little whisk ball Yeah. from time to time. So if you... It's kind of pleasant. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you hear that, that's what that is. You gotta egg, go work that's out. That's an egg protein drink. Yeah. It's I, mostly egg foam. It is a lot of egg foam, yeah. But I found that whey powder was very irritating to my belly. Oh, you talked, I think bloated. you talked about it. No, no. it was one of your recommendations. It was on the uh, podcast app we did oh, not release. It was on a lost app. Yeah, so I'm just letting the people know. <laughs> that app was just full of your long-winded takes, I guess. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> That's why you didn't put it out, because it was boring. Because I listened to it for a minute, and I was talking so much, I got bored. <laughs> it's like, I can't edit this. This is too boring. <laughs> just so everybody knows, we have quality control. Yeah. We're trying to put out a good product. We're not just turning it on and talking. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we are. We but... are. I mean, we literally are doing that. Yeah. That's true. But we also... Yeah, but if we think that... Back. Yeah. If a show isn't worthy, we're not just going to put it out. Yeah. Actually, I... I don't have a lot of interest in, in doing a more structured format anyway. No, I mean, me I don't either. Want to do I don't think we ever had. No, but we also like preparing that. so we can talk about ideas. Yeah, I We're think the most structured that we'd want to be is like episodes that we've done in the past and that we've talked about doing like in terms of sort of reading. That's true. We're interested in doing a little reading. But even that, I'm sure essays. we would have a fairly open discussion. Like one of my favorite mm -hmm. ones that we did was... Um, eating and shitting in the Obama years. That's what we called it. I oh, forget yeah. what the guy's actual article was. Yeah. And I thought we had like a really good discussion there. That's like, but it was still quite open ended. Like, yeah. But it's nice to have something to ground your discussion. Yeah. Which is something we always try to, to do. Yeah. So we don't just 
aimlessly ramble exactly although we do that too obviously. i mean we like said that that's what we bit. wanted to do when we started this we yeah. wanted we thought we you know had something there with our little conversations that you know i f- i remember like hanging out at your friend's house one time and then like it was slowly it was just you and me talking to each other <laughs> and everybody else was like at one point someone like kind of made a comment of like oh it's like you guys are like I don't know, like, not in your own world, but just, like... Podcasting. <laughs> it's like you guys are Or, like, on your own level or whatever, mm. you know? And so it just made me realize that, like, not everyone has conversations like this or doesn't have other people to have conversations like yeah. this with, so... When they're, like, the only conversations I'm interested in. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, if I meet somebody new, I don't want to small talk. I, want, I would rather them be, like here's an interesting thing that i've been thinking about yeah earlier. yeah totally or here's my weird ideas about this tv show that i don't know why i watch it yeah i mean and that's why like we just watched sorry i know you have some stuff to talk no, about that's but fine. we just watched this thing on youtube about like parasocial relationships which i had thought about obviously before but like not to such detail and extent you know and it just made me obviously think about like whether like are we doing that to people you know what i mean but i don't think we are in the sense that like one of the main reasons why i wanted to do this is exactly what you're saying is like these are the types of conversations i'm interested in so i thought that if we like put out a podcast like this we would naturally attract people who want to talk about stuff like this as opposed to um like us exploiting people well we're not asking anybody for money so we're not exploiting anybody anyway but like us sort of exploiting people's like feelings of like loneliness or yeah, whatever the idea of parasocial relationships which is a great youtube video if you want to look up on youtube fake friends I parasocial the user is like struck uh, or something strucky Strucci. Strucci. yeah it's a great video i thought about recommending it but it kind of freaked me out in terms of the <laughs> podcast yeah because i feel like it is partly what we're doing and that is why i enjoy podcasts is because it is, you are listening to people chat and you do feel like you're a friend that's in the room just not happens to not be saying anything right i mean especially i mean i had you refer to people on podcasts by their first name true and i've also had like very close irl friend like one of my best friends message me and say literally that she was like oh i love your podcast (laughs) it makes me feel like i'm just in a room like That's listening true. to this I conversation and there's no pressure on me to have to say anything. I forgot that. And, that and is I, what I told like her about like, podcasts. thank you. That's like literally like, that's kind of what we wanted to do. Like we do want people to, cause like we also know what it's like to be isolated from people who want to have yeah any type of like political conversation with you or be in a place where you're not sure that bringing up politics is even, you know, a good right. idea. Like it's just that it gets, there's such a creepy or maybe creepy is not the right word, but like a, such a weird aspect to a lot of things. Like when you read the the subreddit for the Red Scare podcast and, and people the are, Town podcast, yeah, yeah, and people are speculating about like when these two are going to hook up. Yeah, these, uh, yeah, I said Adam, podcasts, uh, like <laughs> screenshot shut, of shut a very you're, creepy conversation. You're me out. Yeah, I want to enjoy these podcasts, and if I know people out there are enjoying it in this way, it yeah, it me really out. has freaked me out. Yeah, but on the other hand, the Chapo subreddit isn't like that. It's really people talking about ideas. Yeah, or, I mean, it is people like trying to participate in the in jokes and stuff but i guess that's natural yeah and i think to some extent it's okay it's just weird like when i went on the come town reddit and there are people like like making fun of adam like one of the hosts the way that nick like one of the other hosts does oh yeah that's... and it's like but like they know each other they're friends you're like razzing a guy you've never met in real yeah. life like what is that that's so creepy like you you're made, not his friend but after we watched this video you made a good point to me which is like we just we don't have that kind of content i mean come town we enjoy but they don't really have content they don't talk about ideas or things really they do just sit around and joke it is like although they do have your friends I, they have good politics when they talk about it i yeah. know they use slurs sort of sometimes no, yeah not even not really yeah but one or two like uh, yeah people yeah. think joking about autism is unacceptable that's or true whatever, you know? right they do that but um but when they actually talk about politics they have 
pretty much better takes than the Red Scare podcast that yeah. always talks about Yeah, politics, I mean, but... I find them honestly less problematic. Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to dish about <laughs> yeah, these yeah. other personalities. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you, you pointed out, like, we don't have content like that. And the people that have reached out to us have been uniformly great and more like peers, people that also have but want to have these conversations blogs or writing oh yeah or, or their own podcast their own podcast yeah yeah so that is different it, that's cool and we do plan to have some other collab podcasts coming out in the yeah future. but also just like that's what i was saying to you is like well i don't want to have a parasocial relationship with these people like right. i'm genuinely saying like i have said in previous like i like when people have reached out to us because that's what I wanted. Like, that was my hope for creating this podcast was that we would find like-minded people. Not that, like, you know, people would, like, listen to us and have, like, a friendship simulator or yeah. whatever and then give us money for that, you know? And I, I want to put out a product. I want yeah. to have something that is, you know, on some level entertaining but also is interesting to listen to or we talk about things. Like, we're actually producing something like ideas or something that you listen to that's more than just you know a a proxy for hanging out yeah which i do enjoy as a listener but yeah but also like makes you think hopefully yeah like yeah and i i do enjoy that aesthetic and that's one of the reasons we bought the mic we did because it's like a field recorder yeah so i and i do like to have longer rambling discussions that do make it feel more verite true or whatever but like I still want to put out a product, and if you don't like the pot- product, if it isn't satisfying something for you, then you shouldn't be listening. listening. Yeah, totally. Just because you think we're cool. No one thinks we're cool. I don't think we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I was gonna say the other thing that you know made me want to do the podcast was that I wanted to have like a um, like we were having these conversations that I enjoyed that make me happy that we have the relationship yeah. that we have. Um, but they're like ephemeral, you know, they disappear. And sometimes we would have talked about something and then we'd talk about it like years later. And then I'd remember like, oh, yeah, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. you know, and like we've had these ideas before, but we sort of let them like, you know, go or float, which is normal. And that's fine. And that's one of the joys of conversation also. But it's cool to have sort of a record or like a log of, mm-hmm. you know, some of these like ideas that we are talking about and like wrestling with and like you know that dominate our thoughts over the years and it makes us more uh, able in our own like thinking and conversations with each other off mic to bring up something like oh we're all atheists now yeah like we remember it better and we because we title it yeah 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 totally yeah or hopefully from this app sasha gray is like a A worker yeah 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 okay so, yeah, some that's some good talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's go back to the topic I have here, I guess. Unless you have more thoughts about that, mm-hmm. that was cool. Okay. So, um, basically, I was arguing with some conservatives online recently, and it brought up some <laughs> thoughts I had about an anime that I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um... Adam loves to argue with conservatives online. It's a sickness. The it's number a of times illness. that I'll see him furiously typing away, and I'll be like... <laughs> what are you doing? And then he'll be like, I'm just arguing with someone online. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. maybe just, <laughs> yeah. that's fine. Um, that's probably like 50% of my tweets are like replies <laughs> to people in QAnon threads. Cause I also just like, I don't, I don't, I don't really do go out seeking people to argue with. I just like read QAnon threads sometimes. And then I'll see somebody <laughs> say something that I want to re- refute for some reason. Um, and I try and to do fair. it nicely. I try to engage on a nice level with people so that they can be like, oh, I talked to this socialist once. It was at least nice to me and mm. tried to explain things to me. <laughs> <laughs> but they're mostly like beyond help. <laughs> yeah. And they don't accept when you're nice to them. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> So this is a really futile exercise. It, well, well, I don't know, you know. But I was arguing with some recently and like basically, basically what I do when I talk to people is try to introduce ideas like exploitation. So I was talking to these people about how, um, you know, whatever you get paid at work, you're worth more than that Mm -hmm. or else you wouldn't have a boss because the boss wouldn't have any money. Yeah. Or they wouldn't hire you. Right. Because you wouldn't bring any value to them. Yeah. I found a great like Richard Wolf video that summed it up in like 10 seconds. which was like if you own a business, your job is to buy 
to pay rent, buy materials, and buy labor. Yeah. And then sell the product at a profit. Right. That's what that's what capitalism is. That's what business is. And when I try to explain that to people who have never heard that idea before, like it's it's like a foreign language or something. They can barely compre- yeah. comprehend it somehow. Well, basically, you want your gross expenses to be less than your net profit, right? Like, Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny when you argue with conservatives online. Whatever you're arguing about, like, I'm like, this is what business owners do. So, of course, the guy's like, I own a business. Yeah. Or if you talk with, with somebody about races, racism, nine times out of ten, they'll be like, I have an Asian wife. I have a Latino wife. <laughs> I was talking to one person about police brutality, and he was like, uh, my dad's a cop, and I've been a victim of police brutality. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, one of them was like a business owner or whatever. Um, but basically, when I'm trying to tell them this stuff, they just think that they they just come back over and over with, you're lazy, you want stuff for free. And I was telling them... I mean, yes. <laughs> for me, yes. That's I mean, true. we are anti-work on a level, but I'm not just going to come out with that, right? Right, right. Of course. Of course. So I say instead, like, actually, no, that's not true at all. I get more money than I deserve. Like, <laughs> I'm doing perfectly well for myself. Yeah. And I don't work that hard. Um, meanwhile, like, I look around at the people I grew up with in Youngstown who didn't have the opportunity to go to college, don't have the opportunity for jobs, then are uh, didn't have the like capital to move away yeah you know and they're not shittier people than me yeah. they're not less deserving of or i look at the janitor at work like i talk to the janitors at work and they uh work twice as long as the rest of us right. do for you know some of my coworkers make six figures and the yeah. janitor is probably in her 60s making 30 or 40,000 <laughs> you know? have i t- i don't know if i've told this on the podcast before but like uh, i did mention i know recently like i used to um, do this like campaign training uh, program that that was like my job, and I would like travel around to different places. And I, one of the things that I needed to do was like obviously tell people a story, story of self us and now. Um, and uh, I couldn't tell them like, well, you know, like I'm a communist, and that's why I really like want to um, like. Like, basically, I couldn't be like, well, my radicalizing moment is that, like, actually, like, I have, like, a socialist mom who taught me that there's, like, a better way to, like, you know. Yeah, that's what you said on the podcast recently. Right. So, instead, um, I needed to come up with, like, another way of explaining, like, why I was, like, politically active because you need, like, that moment of change to, like, inspire people. So, I was like, okay, well, um, I'm an immigrant and my moment of change was realizing that that in America we have this story that, oh, like, um, you know, immigrants, like, if, if you just, like, work hard, you have the opportunity to have, like, a better life here. And I was saying in my, like, story, uh, but I realized that that's not really true because actually, like, my parents came here with, um, like, my mom came with, like, a college education and stuff. And even though, yeah, she has, like, worked hard you know, her job is, like, she works in, like, database stuff, right? Like, she's not working more, she's not working harder <laughs> than, you know, like, some um, brown immigrant who, like, came here um, and the only opportunity they had was using their body to throw, like, melons, you I know, know, off yeah. the ground. Up. I learned the way watermelon picking works is there's a guy standing at the top of a dump truck and two or three on the ground who, as quick as they can, grab the watermelon and throw it up to the top of the dump truck. And they go just through the field, just doing that all day for long hours. Yeah, so I was like... These are the illegal immigrants who are coming here to move off of us. Yeah, like ruining their bodies to get us watermelons. Yeah. So I was was saying, like, um, when I, like, realized this, it made me realize that, like, you know, our country isn't fair and it's not a meritocracy and we need to work to change things and we need to make like life better for everyone and like all immigrants whether they're legal or illegal you know whether they're white europeans coming or you know brown people from the south coming like seeking a better life they're all coming here for the same reason those people love their children as much as my parents did they want their kids to have the same opportunities my parents want you know and i thought that that would be like a really like um come together kind of moment moment of change yeah especially for like liberals like and like I don't know. I could just tell something was like off in the crowd. Like they were not with me. Who were you telling this to? 
like like people that you're training just yeah and like the uh, like some of like the donors that you know had donated to the organization i work mm. for that like came that were like from the area and so like, some libs that are yeah, supposedly libs, progressive. like progressives yes yeah. and they like were not i think they weren't excited that i was saying that like america isn't that great basically you know i think they were not happy that i was pointing out that it's not a meritocracy it doesn't really matter how hard you work because you know yes my parents worked hard but so do these people you know and certainly physically they work a lot harder and you know they're not getting rewarded the same like yeah yeah so i was basically like the fact that i was saying like america isn't fair made them really upset in like a way that I was yeah, totally. really surprised by. Honestly. Well, my story of self on is on Twitter. It's my pin tweet. And these conservatives <laughs> I was arguing with found it and it really pissed them off. Um, I'll bring it up here. Oh, my phone is so full. Every time I open Twitter, it has to, <laughs> okay. it can't cache anything because it's so full. Yeah. You just, you need to get either a new phone or start deleting things. I need things. two phones. <laughs> <laughs> One for the, I still have no idea what he says. (laughs) Okay, so my story of self pinned to the top of Twitter. um, It says, my dad, 25, 1977. Um, I'm like fudging dates here. This isn't like a literal accounting of. Yeah. uh, Almost loses hand working at the steel barrel factory. Well-paid college dropout. Me, 25, 2013. Gets high while helping people use software over the phone. Crushing debt, college graduate. (laughs) And yeah, this is a tweet about how you know, I have a white collar job, so I'm supposed to be successful, but it's a bullshit job. And you have a college education. You did the right thing. Yeah. And, but my dad, like, risked his body. It's it's all of that tied up. Yeah. But they just read this and were like, oh, my God, this guy getting high at work, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, it didn't even occur to me. Like, <laughs> see, the, okay. the thing is, like, I could do it high and still be one of the best people at, at my the office, job. Yeah. you know, because partly because of my natural aptitude. Because it was a software support job, and I'm really good at, you know, talking to people, not getting mad, yeah. explaining things, You're and understanding, and calm. you know, yeah, technology a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, I think that yeah, you have a, I think probably partially because you're like an English major and stuff, but you like tech and you know about tech. But then you're able to articulate it. And usually you don't have both of those things in one person, you know. Mm, I think most people's experiences, like if they go talk to the IT guy, they're not really going to understand what the fuck he's telling them. That is how I've pitched myself on many job interviews, actually. (laughs) But um, so that's what made me think of this anime I was watching, basically, Mob Psycho 100, which is it's a really great show. It's kind of it's uh, a little bit juvenile. It's a little it'd be great if you're a teen. But even as an older person, it's really good because it's, it's like animated so well. It has a really like loose and inventive style. Um, so I'd recommend it. But the moral of the story ends up being like, so the, the plot is the main character is Mob, Mabu, who okay. is uh, like the strongest psychic that maybe has ever lived, it turns out. And he was like, he's like a teen in high school. And he's the typical high school kid who, or typical anime protagonist high school kid who isn't that smart, isn't that popular, isn't that successful in life, except he's this super powerful psychic. And the other main character is his mentor, who is a, he's a, he's an adult who pretends to be a psychic to like scam people. Mm -hmm. And Mob is having trouble like uh, integrating his powers into his life. Mm -hmm. So he comes to this older guy who just has an office that says psychic out in the front window, basically. So Mob shows up and says, will you train me? Will you you know, teach me how to live. And uh, so this uh, con artist becomes his mentor. And the con artist keeps telling him uh, these things about, like, you're not special just because you have psychic powers. Mm. And that ends up being, like, the moral of the show is that some people are born smart. Some people are born attractive. Some people are born with incredible powers that can, you know, destroy buildings or whatever. But it doesn't make you special. It just that's just who you are yeah you're just still a person in the world and uh like that's that's what these conservatives i was arguing with don't really get like i i'm not more i i am paid well that's not why i'm supporting socialism i'm supporting it because it's not fair I, like i don't deserve to i yeah. literally don't deserve to do better yeah. than the people i know who are struggling yeah 
you know, just because I have an ability or just because I have an aptitude or just and, because I'm in the right place. Yeah. Right you had the opportunity, you know, like, yeah, but I think, and you know, as somebody who grew up Catholic, it sounds weird. I don't think people talk about it, but it's like hard to understand some of the mainstream Protestant aspects of American society, because mm -hmm. when you grow up a Catholic, especially with liberal parents, like I did, you really get stressed to the importance of work and serving other people and really living as a society. Mm -hmm. You know, small c Catholic means like a, a group, a society. Mm -hmm. And Protestant, the Protestant work ethic is Calvinist. It's not about working to serve other people. Right. Right. The idea of Calvinism is that some people are just... Saved automatically. Yeah. We're... I, I have an article that I pulled up about it here. So this is from one of the first results you get when you Google Calvinism. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good looking long article that I started. So Calvin's idea about original sin was not like most uh, stra strains of Christianity that um, by having faith in God or by doing good, you can throw off the yoke of sin. Uh, Calvin right. thought humans were so disgusting. He thought there was this unbridgeable chasm between God and humanity and that we were too unworthy to have any influence on God's decisions at all. In other words, nothing one could do would make any difference whatsoever regarding whether God chose to redeem you or not yeah. from your original sin and impending damnation. And so at least in principle, Calvin believed that you can't even know whether you're chosen or not. Yeah. Right? And like that the minute that you think that you're chosen... It, like is almost certain that you are actually damned. Yeah, because what a sinful thing to have such hubris, yeah. you know, yeah. to be so full of yourself yeah. to think you're chosen. Um, and that's important because that that's where the work ethic comes from, really. Yeah. And this is also from, this is like, this comes from Max Weber's idea, the Protestant work ethic, like one of the earliest sociologists who wrote a really important book on it. Um, and this is kind of, this is a quote from him. He said that Calvinist or Protestant ministers advise their flock. On the one hand, it's held to be an absolute duty to consider oneself chosen and to combat all doubt as temptation of the devil, because lack of self-confidence is the result of insufficient faith and therefore imperfect grace. But at the same time, in order to attain that self-confidence, intense worldly activity is recommended as the most suitable means. So what that ends up doing is that uh, you believe your good works can't influence whether you're chosen or not, but Calvinism does require a life of systematic and unemotional good works and self-control as a sign outwardly that you are chosen. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this becomes a workaholic dedication where, in Weber's words, uh, the means not of purchasing salvation, but of getting rid of the fear of damnation. So you have to prove your own faith by your worldly activity and your own self-control. Yeah. So that's what work is to these conservatives I'm arguing with. Mm. It's not a way to serve other people. And it doesn't matter if it's selfish or not, because all that matters is uh, you do what you're supposed to do yeah. and you have self-control. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't. Yeah. And anyone who doesn't is like deserve is damned and yeah. deserves to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I don't know, like watching Mob Psycho was like a bit of a a small revelation in terms of that that attitude like yeah it made me wonder you know how differently people in the east or at least japan see work i mean i don't know about no, that but just... i can tell you that like you know it, macedonians don't see work like that <laughs> oh yeah totally <laughs> like... yeah well that's because you have the eastern orthodox tradition instead of the protestant tradition yeah. yeah like in mob psycho in the final battle the con artist mentor his name is reagan with an eye, not like the president. Um, it also, because he doesn't have that Calvinist outlook, he also rejects destiny. And mm. I think like that's part of where our outlook as America, as a world power comes from, is that we are deserving and we are just, just by virtue of who we are. Well, and that gives us the right yeah. yeah, to determine how other people should live. Yeah, and also, like, I mean, we have, like, that concept of manifest destiny, right? Like, this manna from God that we should... Oh, that's so true, yeah. ...go forth, go west, conquer and civilize. Yeah, specifically because, like, when John Locke was talking about it, the natives weren't supposedly, like, farming the land properly. Yeah. So they weren't um, demonstrating that they were chosen by God because they weren't doing the work that you would have to be if you were chosen. Yeah, They were totally. letting the land run fallow. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, even though they weren't, but like, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. In the final battle of Mob Psycho, um, so there's like a shadowy organization that kidnapped Mob and his teen friends who are powerful psychics because they're, it's like the X Men. Like, these are the evil, powerful psychic villains who want to dominate the world and say, like, we're this new form of humanity because we're so strong. We're going to rule now. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they think they're justified in attacking like these middle schoolers just because they're powerful and therefore chosen to create a new world order. And, uh, you know, Reagan is telling them how embarrassing that you're adults attacking children. And they say the head villain says like, OK, there's a missing link in my quotes here. <laughs> okay. But at some point, the villain says, I'm filled with ambition and I want to go higher and higher. And Reagan says, don't get the wrong idea. No matter what kind of special powers they might be blessed with, people are still only human. Nothing more and nothing less. And Mob says, no, having psychic powers doesn't make you popular at all. And I just think that's like a interesting inversion of the way we typically see things in America. Yeah. Whether it's work ethic or our position in the world. Well, I mean, I think that that's obviously like a, you know, directly correlated to obviously like our economic system right because then we can convince ourselves that like oh well the reason that i am rewarded is because i work really hard like i was saying like with my mom or whatever you know i'm educated and i'm really good at my job and um i deserve this you know more than the guy who just what throws watermelons he's not Mm -hmm. special i'm special you know Yeah, yeah like and then but also so like we think that as a rich country we're therefore like part of the elect, mm-hmm. you know, but really we're rich through power, through having a strong military, through everybody using the dollar as a medium of exchange. Yeah. Through, through like, exploiting that power. Yeah. Know? Through being in the right place at the right time and exploiting it. Well, yeah. um, and just being lucky by circumstance, right? Like we don't have, we don't really have any neighbors near us that, you know, have any aspirations to like conquer us. It's not like it, like oh, in the yeah. Balkans, like, everyone has limited space and everyone has these aspirations to become like a bigger country or whatever. So you're constantly like, there's some sense that you're under siege, but like we're surrounded by oceans and two friendly nations, basically, (laughs) you know, like no one can touch us. Like we're, I mean, Cuba is our like closest threat, supposedly, as like a <laughs> tiny island, you know? Like, yeah, but it scared the shit out of people. Anyway. I know, but like. Yeah. But so, meanwhile, like, we think we deserve to be the chosen country on Earth. Yeah. Where most of us um, have bullshit jobs that don't do anything for anybody else. Yeah. But that's okay in the Calvinist mindset because it doesn't matter if you serve other people, only that you're following the rules to mm-hmm. prove that you're a member of the elect. And then, you know immigrants come here and work twice as hard and we still think they need to prove themselves to us yeah but at the same time me making that criticism is kind of protestant work ethic and you hear liberals say it all the time oh these immigrants are only coming here to do jobs americans won't yeah, do I know. like they only deserve to be here because they work so yeah. hard and we have to keep out the ones that aren't working hard yeah it's a really pernicious mindset yeah it is yeah i mean i guess that's what we're trying to ultimately fight off that's one of our like biggest obstacles and becoming like a socialist country because you know obviously as soon as you mention socialism people are like no there's people who are lazy and undeserving and you know you're gonna make the same amount of money as someone who doesn't do anything or i mean they have these are just obviously not true but bad criticisms that people believe like really strongly and they think like well my neighbor has been collecting disability checks or whatever even though i see him mowing his lawn and you know people are going to take advantage of the system and therefore like it but i think the real fear is basically like then i won't be able to show people how special i am because i got a brand new truck or Mm -hmm. i'm able to afford a bigger house or whatever you know because that's for you know as far as anyone can remember the way that we've existed here you know and like that that's been what people work for mostly is to show their neighbors that they're more special, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And it's a part, and this is so hard to fight because it goes so deeply back into our national myth. Yeah. To this, you know, Protestantism that formed a hundred <clears throat> years before settlers even came over here. Yeah. Which is why we need to throw off 
old myths like Protestantism and adopt new myths like Mob Psycho 100. <laughs> we need to disseminate good anime to the masses. Yeah. Uh, but also a real life example of that it is possible to throw that off is my favorite professor, my poli sci professor, who was um, raised a Calvinist mm -hmm. and was just sort of like a, you know, working class guy, actually like he worked blasting the stone so that I think it's highway one or I 80 that yeah, goes from New York interstate. through. Yeah. All the way to San Fran. Yeah. He like worked blasting it from New York to Pennsylvania. I think that's how he actually ended up in Pennsylvania. Hmm. And I don't know. He was like t talking to some older guy that he was like working with and like complaining about something. And the guy handed him a copy of the commune, like a worn copy of the communist yeah. manifesto and said, here, kid, educate yourself. <laughs> and he read it. And that's how he ultimately became a Marxist and then a Marxist professor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he when it was not a school. cool thing to do. Yeah, not at all. Like during the Cold War. Yeah, he ended up you know, going back to school and, you know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think maybe a lot of people online haven't heard those stories and they don't know that, you know, radical ideas were disseminated through working class people like that yeah definitely. through passing literature out of trunks and stuff yeah i think my dad has some pamphlets like that he definitely has some like radical poetry like that yeah stuff. yeah it's one of my favorite stories yeah okay okay that's a podcast i guess so <laughs> <laughs> all right well um thanks for listening uh feel free to Tweet at us or Facebook us at Cold Pizza Party on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. Adam is at Bone Camaro on SoundCloud. On Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can, you know, feel free to talk to us. Please don't ship us or do anything weird like that. We're already together, so we don't <laughs> need any speculation about whether we're going to hook up or not. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. Go out. Go forth into the world, pass out communist literature, and um, have a nice day. Or maybe just I should say stop. pass out, like yeah. get drunk, party, pass out, or get enough <laughs> sleep. Yeah, do that. I was gonna say, you know, have a nice day. We love you. Drive safe. But maybe that is like <laughs> enforcing a parasocial That's relationship. True. That's true. We don't love you. Let's be clear. Yeah, <laughs> we don't care if you're listening. We're only doing this for ourselves. I mean, you should drive safely, genuinely. But... Do you want to pick some music to play? Oh, yeah. I've been like, I found a bunch of new music lately that I really liked. Um, okay, so we're going to ride out to the Maria's Bastaya. I don't know exactly what language that is. Maybe Spanish, maybe Portuguese. Probably Spanish. Okay. They're from LA. Prob right. right, yeah. I like this song because it. I don't know. It's like hot here. And I feel like this song makes me think of like kind of a lazy hot day by the pool. Yeah. It's got kind of a bossa nova vibe or something. Yeah. I'm not fully versed in South American styles of music. Maybe but... like when you're like on vacation and then there's like a band playing at the restaurant and you can see like the blue light from the pool kind of reflecting and it's still pretty hot, but there's like some nice chill music and you're having a drink. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool video too. It's a just a live performance, but it's set. It's like framed really well, and some cool stuff happens. Yeah. So yeah, we'll ride out to that. Enjoy it. Peace. And we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.